I want to take a moment to tell you a little bit about Pixelwick. Pixelwick is a Renaissance festival unlike any other. Pixelwick allows you to enjoy all the fun of a Renaissance fair from the comfort of your own home. Shopping with your favorite Grim Fair vendors, live performances from great entertainers, wacky hijinks with the inhabitants of Pixelwick, and the company of your friends. So make sure to check it out, performances in February as well as March. If you need more information, please go to pixelwick.com. That's www.pixelwyck.com. Fearscape Media Network. Exploring the unknown. One podcast at a time. Fearscape Media Network is your new home for everything weird and enlightening. Check out podcasts and YouTube shows covering content from discussions on horror films to the paranormal to meditation. Find out more at fearscapemedia.com. Welcome everyone to Unsensitive, a show where we take a subject, talk with an expert, and break it down with questions that might be normally too impolite to ask. I am your host, Ray Robinson. And by now, most of us have come to realize that witches in modern times aren't what you picture in Halloween movies or fairy tales. Uh, pop culture TV shows like Charmed and books like the Harry Potter series have given us a more flattering picture of an archetypical witch that is, that is a little bit closer to what is real. But how much closer is it and is there still some truth in those in those pointy ats and broomsticks that you see in the legends well here to clear up what being a witch is in modern times is mela borowski mela welcome to the show Thanks. now first of all let's just delve right into the term witchcraft where does the word witch itself come from and and consequently witchcraft I think it's really interesting when you look at the etymology of the word witch, it goes back even to Old English, and it was uh, W-I-C-C-A, which today you might hear it called Wicca, but it was actually Witcha, and it was a male practitioner of magic, a sorcerer, that sort of thing. So even though it is very much associated with females, when it first started coming around as Witcha, it was a male. Um, so that's kind of where it came from. And the word really means something like bending reality, manipulating reality, which to me is is magic. So which means someone who manipulates their world around them. Okay. Now, um, going off of that a little bit, um, there's... Uh, one of the things that uh, comes up all the time, especially when you talk about something like the Harry Potter series, that's kind of geared more towards children, um, is that uh, there are Christian sects that get very upset. They feel that witchcraft is of the devil. It's uh, Satan's work. Uh, how does witchcraft tie into uh, satanic worship or satanic cults in any capacity? That is a huge misconception, and, and yes, you see it in so many things, books, TV shows, movies. 
the witchcraft that I know, that I know of other people, has nothing to do with devil worship, Satanism. In fact, most witches, and I, I don't want to say all because you never know, but most witches, most pagans, they don't even believe there is Satan, uh, that there are devils. I mean, sometimes you might hear them talk about demonic type entities, but that's just not something that I see as true. And it's definitely not true in myself because it's more about being connected to nature. And so the whole Satanism thing is just something that I believe the church developed to really vilify witches. Okay. Now, uh, I hear a lot of interchanging wordplay between the word pagan and witch. Um, how closely related are the two terms? Are, are witches a subset of paganism or is, uh, is paganism a subset of witchcraft? This is how I see those words. Pagan, paganism is more like your spiritual path in a lot of ways. Witchcraft is like a skill set. So you can be pagan and be a witch but you don't have to be pagan to be a witch because I know Christian witches. I know Jewish witches. I know atheist witches and Shinto witches. There's just, it, you don't have to have a certain religion and you can have no religion because it's a skill set of that manipulating the reality around you. Witchcraft itself um, is something to do with, with spells, with magic. So you can even be a pagan and not be a witch. Like you can just be connected to nature and maybe honor full moon and new moons and things like that and never cast a spell. So when you look at witchcraft as the skill set, you can add that to a lot of different religions, spiritual paths, or no path at all. Now, when you talk about uh, uh, changing reality, in a sense, is are you drawing upon nature itself? Is, uh, does it derive from a deity? Or does it really depend on what the, the practitioner utilizes as their source of energy? It absolutely depends on what they want to utilize because under the pagan umbrella, which is huge, I mean, you're talking about Native American spirituality, you're talking about Wicca and Druidry and Norse paganism and just, all these different types of thing, animism, um, voodoo, just there's so many things under the pagan umbrella. And in some cases you are drawing that power from within yourself. In others, you have a, a, a deity that gives you power, or you may be pulling it from the earth itself or from elements. So yeah, it just depends because you, you can have, monotheism is kind of rare and that's where you have the one source or one energy. Uh, but you can find monotheistic pagans, but pantheism and polytheism are the two that you find the most. And so there, there's just a lot of different styles and a lot of different ways people will do their magic. Okay. Now uh, let's get a little Halloween for a bit here. And um, there's a lot of iconic imagery that's associated with with witches. Uh, you got your pointy hats, mm -hmm. you've got the brooms, you've got the warts on the nose, uh, or maybe even green skin. And I think a lot of that really comes from Wizard of Oz. I don't, uh, if I were to just guess, but uh, where does some of these like well-known images, where do they stem from? One thing that's really interesting about the green skin that I didn't know of till recently, because you do think of Wizard of Oz with that, but 
when people would be tried for being a witch, I heard tell that they were tortured so much that their skin would actually turn a little green. And so when they were marched to be beheaded or hung or in some cases burned, the people would see these kind of green tinted skin people, men and women. And some people say that that's where the whole green skin witch came from, which I thought was really interesting. I've never heard that. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And as far as the, the witch hat, if you even look back at the pyramid, it's not so much of a cone, but it's still that triangle, that pyramid. There's a lot of power and energy that comes from that shape. And so the witch hat could very well be looked at as a cone of power. Now, there's a lot of different things when you start looking into the history of it. There are some people that say it comes from being um, anti-Quaker and the Quaker hats, and there's just a lot of different things you can look at. But if you just look at it as a symbol, it's a powerful symbol of drawing that energy down. And the cone, the pyramid, has been a symbol of power since ancient times. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the broom itself. The broom, yes. So the broom is an interesting one. I actually... I make brooms out of broom sedge in my yard and give it away. So that is something that is associated with witches and and pagans in a a lot of um, ways today. But the broom has some different history that comes with it. Of course, what house do you know of that does not have a broom? Like everybody all around the world, even if it's just some sticks, they have a broom to clear, to cleanse their homes. So when we are using the broom or the besom, as we call it, that's a clearing, a cleansing that we actually have. So it's not just, you know, for this idea of of witches riding across the moon, even though that's a fun idea to think about, there's an actual use for that. And that's why you will see witches have that in their homes and use them in ritual. But the whole riding the broom thing um, came from... Now, of course, you know, you never know exactly where it came from. This is what people think it came from, are the the idea of these hallucinogenic plants that people were using to put into their skin. They weren't taking them um, orally, but they were using their brooms to get them in their skin. They were sitting on them, so naked, Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. And then they were riding, you know, when you are in this hallucinogenic state, you very well could be feeling like you were flying, that you were flying and having this adventure. So that's one that if you if you start looking into that, um, things like belladonna, and, and I don't recommend this for anybody, yeah. <laughs> um, but belladonna and mandrake, um, jimson weed, some things like that, those are some plants that they were using to take a ride, to ride on their broomstick. Interesting. I I had never heard of that either. So that is that's pretty fun. <laughs> now uh, you those naughty the... witches. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that, uh, that definitely gives uh, gives somebody a perspective that uh, they may not have had before. And boy, does that make <laughs> Halloween sound a lot more fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, speaking, but uh, we, we touched you touched a little bit on the Salem witch trials. Mm-hmm. Um, so hi- witches in history uh, have been well, they've been tortured pretty heavily, mm-hmm. uh, and I, it it really stems from uh, the disbelief of Christianity or or an alternative belief to Christianity. Um, is how 
as as weird as it might sound, it, I don't know if this is even a valid question, but is there still that kind of torture going on today with people that are practicing? There are. In a lot of countries, you know, we're very lucky to live in America in some regards because we do have a little bit of freedom. And um, I live in, in the South, in the Bible Belt, so it's kind of scary in some ways. I don't think that that would happen to me, but I could have some some things where people didn't like it. But yeah, there are countries that women especially are still even being executed and being called a witch. I don't think that even through history, all the men and women who were killed were actually witches. A lot of times you can trace back and look at the history of where it was someone's land they wanted or someone was an herbalist or a midwife or something like that. And maybe they weren't even witches, but this fear, this hysteria around just how scary witches were, that was a real easy thing to say, hey, somebody's a witch. It was an easy thing to get rid of somebody. But yes, it's still happening today. Okay. Now, a couple more kind of terminology type of things. Uh, I've heard in the past, and I, this is mainly from entertainment venues, that uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, I'm thinking of the, the TV show Bewitched. Uh, so I've heard in the past that like women are considered witches and men are considered warlocks. Is that true in any capacity? You will find people, men who will call themselves warlocks, but in the communities that I'm part of, which is gender neutral so it can be male female or anything in between um, there's no gender associated with that um, i'm not exactly sure what people are using warlock for when they call themselves that but i have heard even recently a few people call themselves that but in general that is not a term that you see used by the greater pagan community that i've noticed okay we're just all witches. Yep. <laughs> now, and the other thing that kind of comes to my mind is um, I've seen varying spe spellings of the word magic, uh, sometimes M-A-G-I-C, and sometimes with a K in place of the C, sometimes just a K put on the end. Uh, where, where does the K come into it? Because I think M-A-G-I-C tends to be the more commonly known term. So at some point, and I think, I can't remember, but I think it might have been in the 60s, uh, there, wanted, there was a move away from stage magic. Mm -hmm. and, and so the K was, was put in a lot of books to differentiate that from just your, your stage magicians. And so you had the magic and you knew that was up on the stage and doing with the hat tricks and all that. M-A-G-I-C-K, that was, you know, true, true magic. And then some people just got, you know, they're creative and they said, I'm just going to use M-A-G-I-K. So it's, it doesn't, I've seen it all three ways. Um, it doesn't really matter. It's just, uh, I usually use C-K for the whole thing of just, um, this is not stage magic. It's uh, witch, witchy magic. <laughs> okay. I, I like that designation uh, because, yeah, then uh, you start wondering about, uh, was Harry Houdini a pagan? And your right. mind just goes into weird directions that really just don't uh, don't give you any good insight. Yeah. Um, and uh, kind of going back a little bit to uh, the entertainment venues, um, as far back as even Shakespeare, you're seeing uh, witches that are brewing in cauldrons and they're throwing 
throwing in ingredients. The big one, everybody knows, Eye of Newt. Um, and very, you just hear these various body parts of animals being thrown in. And, right. and you think, well, that's just going to be a terrible soup at best. <laughs> but what, what, are, what are all those ingredients actually for? The women who were herbalists, because there was just so much fear, and even in, you know, I've even had people come to me who, who said, um, you really don't need to be doing things in public. That's too scary. We all, we do things in secret. So this is part of that. And when they would write their spells, write their recipes, they didn't want to have it just be where anybody could pick it up and know what the heck they were talking about. So it was a code. So when they say uh, eye of newt, they're not actually talking about going and plucking out a newt's eye. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they had a code. So if, if it was an eye of something, that meant the seed of the plant. Um, and newt specifically was a wild mustard. So basically the seed of the wild mustard and so people who were kind of in the know would they would know what the code was they would know what the recipe for whatever they're making but anyone else would just think you know what is this this is just some silly thing they also couldn't steal a particular witch's brew or special potion because they would have that um, when blood was needed they would call it they would call it sap or you know they would call it blood but it would be the sap of a tree um, and if it called for hair, if you think about a plant that is very stringy, the stringy bits of a plant, that would be the hair. So if it's hair of something, then it's kind of just, um, if you think about what a plant looks like, you can kind of tell what they're talking about. When people are doing religious ceremonies, and they are, for example, Catholicism, they talk about the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. It sounds an awful lot like some of the ceremonies that you're talking about performing. Um, is that a fair correlation? I definitely think it's a fair correlation. In fact, a couple of years ago, I was asked to come to a local Presbyterian church and speak about paganism. And one of the things that I told them that shocked them was that when they prayed, they were casting a spell. Now you can imagine how that went over. <laughs> <laughs> But I truly believe that because what is prayer? It is communion with the divine, whatever source or divine. What is spell casting? What is ritual? Communion with the divine or source, whatever that may be, whether it's within yourself. So in, in all honesty, I believe prayer, ritual, having communion, you know, dancing out, naked under the moon, whatever you want to put in there, lighting a candle for somebody, all of that is communion with source energy of some sort. And it's all the same thing. It's it's magic and it's spell casting. Excellent. Now, going back to entertainment venues, once again, uh, mainly be, I, I go to entertainment venues all the time when I'm uh, talking about subjects where there's misconceptions because the media creates a lot of misconceptions as a, as you probably are aware of especially with your field here is there a tv show a movie um anything a book even that really gets witchcraft right oh that is a hard question because i want i want to say yes and there are some that that are okay and i can't i can't think of the movie right now but there's one 
I can look it up real quick. Um, but there is one that is pretty good that I've that I've seen. But things like Sabrina and even Harry Potter. I mean, there's there's elements, but there's nothing that's even like D and D. I used to play D and D. There's nothing that's really like the real thing. I think that's my personal opinion. Okay. Yeah, there's one that uh, that folks I've known that uh, they, they cite once in a while, uh, Practical Magic with uh, Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. They yeah, say there's a lot that's pretty close, but it's still not there. Yeah, that's a good one. That, that, that's getting close. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a guilty pleasure magic witchcraft related TV show book uh, TV sh or movie, I should say that, uh, that you, you look at and you go, well, that's just fun fluff, but I like it, uh, even though it's not nearly, <laughs> it's, it's so incredibly wild off from uh, where, what is reality, but it's still enjoyable. That has to be Sabrina, the new oh, yeah? Sabrina for me. It's just so out there. It's, I look at it and with the whole worshiping Satan devil thing, but it's just a lot of fun and I just love watching it. <laughs> okay. So if you were to leave all of us with one really big impression of witchcraft in general, what is it that you really want to drive home? The main thing that I want people to realize is that we we're on a spiritual path, just like any other spiritual path. We all want the same thing, to figure out why we're here, what's our connection, our purpose, and to have this connection to the, the world around us. The things that you see on television and on movies and read in books is so sensationalized. You know, we're just re regular everyday people who just happen to be on this spiritual path where we feel like we are able to manipulate the world around us in some way. And it's no different than how any other spiritual path manipulates their world. That's what I want people to realize. We're just regular people. Excellent. Now, Melis, tell us a little bit about where people can find out more about you uh, and about some of the, the, the uh, activities that you're into. Yeah, sure, thank you. If you go to www.3raysoflight, and that's a number three, everything that I do is there, and you can find me under Three Rays of Light on Facebook as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Mila, for coming on the show, giving us some, uh, some perspective. Uh, I learned a few things myself that uh, I'd never heard. And so that actually very uh, entertaining things, I might add. That uh, <laughs> uh, So it's it's been an enjoyable show and uh, a great perspective. So thank you for coming on. Thank you. And that will bring a close to this season of Unsensitive. A special thanks to all my guests over the last 22 episodes, plus the team at Fearscape Media Network for giving me a venue to bring all these misconceptions to light. Special thanks also to Ben Sounds for the use of the song Happy Rock. And you have been listening to Unsensitive. We'll talk again in season two. Until then, keep that mind open. <laughs>